Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. This week, we're joined by RSM Industrial's senior analyst, Kendra Blackshear. Kendra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you, and we're going to get a little bit um, into our manufacturing report that we've produced uh, with RSM shortly, but I want to start first by learning a little bit about you and the work that you do with RSM. Yes, of course. So I'm an analyst with RSM, which really means I I work closely with our chief economist and a group of analysts to really dive into the macroeconomic trends impacting our clients. Obviously, my sector is the manufacturing sector, so I get the privilege of of helping our clients navigate um, different things that are on the horizon and understanding kind of the things that they're looking to and the resources they're pulling to navigate different decision making. And how long have you been with RSM? I've been with RSM for three years. Awesome. And so I know that you uh, were at our manufacturing conference. RSM helped kind of help us dive into this 2022 Connecticut manufacturing report. Um, It was produced between CBIA, CONCEPT, ReadyCT, and RSM. And you moderated that panel that we had at our summit on October 27th. So what's next on the horizon? Like the pandemic was like, what is this? We're reacting now. What are some of the biggest takeaways from the report itself um, that you that you got? Yeah, I mean, one topic of the conversation that's not new is labor, right? Labor shortage um, is big across all industries, and it's so different for the manufacturing sector. So a lot of our conversation is how to recruit and retain the appropriate talent um, to evolve and keep pace with an ever-changing industry. And that's one of the things that we know that within the report, respondents, over 80%, 87% of respondents said that they're still seeing a challenge in recruiting and retaining the right talent and nearly have thought that that was the biggest obstacle present. So it's it's a real challenge um, that our clients are facing presently, um, and they're having to get a bit creative and obviously competitive um, to, to keep the appropriate talent. Do you think some of the things that you heard from some of the business leaders uh, in Connecticut are similar to what you're hearing across the country? Yes, they are. One of the things, if we just look from a numbers perspective, um, that is interesting is that manufacturing jobs nationally account for about seven and a half percent of total open jobs. But in Connecticut, it's about 10 percent. So Connecticut is a, a bit driver when you're looking at those national numbers um, and manufacturing jobs have a, a bigger presence um, and an impact in Connecticut than maybe a lot of other states do. And so it's it's a real conversation that, that needs to be had. And uh, some of the feet that, that was given a panel that I was I thought was particularly interesting is hearing how leaders are getting a bit creative um, with appealing to talent. We heard leaders talk about kind of using the, the call a friend approach, right? Um, appealing to some of the, the unique desires of a younger t- talent pool as our baby boomers start to exit the workforce um, and incentivizing people to, to get more talent in the door, right? I don't think that's the incentivization is any different than you see across industries, but I think historically it's been a bit harder for manufacturers because there's this perspective of the manufacturing space. One of the leaders spoke to, you know, it being this kind of like dungy um, facility setting that a a lot of people aren't really interested in. And so changing that mindset will, will be critical to really appeal to the right talent. 
When parents cling to these perceptions, they impart these ideas on their kids. Um, another thing that I thought was particularly interesting is that um, Brittany Isherwood from Berg Aerospace spoke to how she's really looking to connect with the talent um, and really providing opportunities for upward feedback and not only providing the opportunity, but then effectively implementing kind of what she's heard and appealing to the long-term career goals of talent versus let me just fill this job presently. Making sure that your employees are being heard and in a way that they feel comfortable because most folks don't want to say it to your face um, and it's easier if they write it down without their name attached to it, but then also making sure that you follow up with the group just knowing that all concerns are being addressed. And so that way you have an engagement from the talent, um, as well as they have a clear understanding this is the need that needs to be met presently in order to get to the long-term career objectives that I have. And so leaders are thinking way differently than they have had to in the past, just because it's been much harder, right, to retain talent. And so it's it's exciting um, and it's, it's encouraging to hear that things are changing in the manufacturing space. And um, there's a lot of good things on the horizon. Uh, are nationally are the same manufacturers having the the same issues with retaining? I think in Connecticut it's like eighty seven percent. It's the retaining the employees that's really their issue. One of their biggest problems besides getting people in the door is how do we get them to stay with our company and not you know jump ship. Right. Yeah, that's that's a national challenge that's being seen. And because everyone's kind of in the same boat, then people are getting a bit more competitive. And so, it, you know, talent's more likely to jump ship and go somewhere that provides um, better benefits or something that appeals to them a bit more. And so it's becoming really competitive. And I think that's why, you know, to the panel's point about really speaking to the career aspiration, not just throwing more money at people, is going to be the, the plan going forward to ensure that you can retain talent. Because if you get into this, this war of kind of bidding for talent, um, then that's a, that's a heavy one to pull. But if you really kind of speak to the the career objectives of the individual and kind of seek to align the goals of the organization with that of the individual, then you have more of a long-term buy-in. And what about the, the skills that these applicants have coming in? Yeah, that's that's a good one. As we talk a lot about the factory of the future and there's a lot of digitization and automation within the skill set of the manufacturing employee um, has evolved and will continue to evolve. And so when leaders are thinking to recruiting talent, one thing that they should consider is, well, what are we going to need in the future? Presently, we have a lot of manual labor within manufacturing facilities, but as things become more digitized, maybe I need more people with an engineering skill set or the ability to adapt and work collaboratively with technology. And so that's a consideration that will need to be um, included as they're seeking the right talent um, for the factory of the future um, and to help navigate the different terrain that we're seeing in the manufacturing sector. So kind of creating opportunities that people can have working in other industries, but within the manufacturing sector, even though it may appear costly, it might be an investment worth taking. Exactly. Okay. Um, and, you know, what do you think, besides kind of committing to those workers, helping them see the bigger picture, are there other factors that are working well in terms of employee retention? 
I think just keeping a good pulse on how things are going, you know, not assuming because no one's kind of raised a hand or there's no red flags that all is well, um, because what we've seen a lot throughout the course of the pandemic across industries is that though employees are retained, they're not engaged, right? And ultimately disengagement leads to retention issues. And so manufacturers are continuously thinking through how do I keep personnel engaged um, and not just, you know, jobs filled, which is a different perspective to take. So I'd probably say that's number one of the, the other considerations to take into account as well. Okay. Um, the report also shows a staggering percent of manufacturers impacted by supply chain supply chain disruptions. I mean, any survey that we have seen in Connecticut shows that um, it's at the top of the list with those, uh, the, the number of employees coming in. W what do you think manufacturers can do to kind of prepare for the, these disruptions, the really long lead times, things like that? Yeah, it starts with communication. I think a, a couple of years into the pandemic now and navigating uh, the supply chain effects, that's one thing that a lot of manufacturers have learned. Okay, there are going to be delays. Um, it's amazing that you said the point of 93% of manufacturers surveyed in the report actually said they're still having this challenge, but you hear kind of broadly that things are easing and a bit better, uh, but it's still a real concern. And so it's present, it's gonna be there. And the best thing that leaders can do is to communicate all the way through the chain so that they have a good understanding of how long is this gonna take? What do I need to communicate to my customers? How do I need to navigate my capacity levels and my, my talent resources so that as things move, I have the right talent to keep things moving, but if things maybe slow down, I'm not at capacity, I can leverage those resources elsewhere. So that continuous dialogue with everyone to ensure that you have kind of real-time feedback on if their delays or you know materials not available or becoming more costly is going to be the thing that's going to help continue to navigate through the supply chain challenges. Yeah, I think we heard from one manufacturer who said that you know they're having to make these predictions, and because of the supply chain and the economy, they're not really sure. They're way off from what number they think that they have to be ordering. If we're going to be able to supply this person three months from now or four months from now, we're going to have to import this stuff now mm -hmm. or bring this stuff in from somewhere else now or order this machinery and just have the confidence that we'll be able to use it when we need it. Because trying to get it when you need it now, that's still not a thing. What's your advice? Yeah, no, that, that's true. You can, there's a lot of predictions going on, right? And we're, we're all hoping to get it right. Uh, but one of the things that's been really useful is where companies can leverage data-driven decision-making. And what that means is having kind of the right technology to be able to get data real-time so that you know when things change right away and you can pivot where you need to. I love that, um, you know, at Burke, they talked about being able to navigate and go through different um avenues, right, to keep business flowing amidst the pandemic that was a, a bit different than maybe they had previously strategized for. Being nimble and agile to the sense of you have to pivot what the customer needs are, and that's going to always change. And I think it's going to change our business pretty much every single year. And so that ability to have the data available so that you can say, okay, do I need to shift markets? Do I need to shift regions or resources? It's going to be critical. Um, the change is inevitable, as we've seen. And like you said, we'll try to predict the change, but it's better to have the data that you need to be able to pivot at any given moment. What kind of key uh, factors should manufacturers be looking at as they predict 
um, what kind of, you know, reports should they be following to help them get a better idea of, of what they can expect? Yeah, it's, it's going to be unique to each manufacturer. Um, that's why I said the communication is going to be critical. And so one, just understanding with materials providers, the challenges that they're seeing, you know, what are your your labor or what does your labor force look like? Are you seeing challenges there? Do you expect that to impact timelines? You know, how are you sourcing materials? What 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 are the other challenges you've seen? And how do you um, expect that to impact timelines for our relationship? Right. So the communication part is key. Um, and then as data is coming in, you know, as, as you're looking at orders and kind of the shift in, in demand, um, trying to anticipate that as much as you can, kind of based on the, the last couple of years fluctuation and, and just making sure you, as much as you can, have um, the right resources so that you can meet the ever-changing demand. And so right now we're seeing a period where some companies are able to, you know, kind of leverage out or not leverage out, but level out their backlog. and so the ability to be able to do that, but then also anticipate the demand is coming is going to be key so that they can keep supply levels ready. And so it's going to be kind of communications from all fronts and then looking at regular order data and, you know, and regular supply data as well. And then working with your suppliers too to understand, is there an opportunity um, for us to kind of create some efficiencies or lock in some rates or, or timelines that are beneficial to you? So wait, though it may not be the most desirable, it will help from a planning perspective. And so this is a time where you'll need to think a little bit creatively. There's not a one size fit all, but through the conversations and understanding the challenges at each of the various levels, um, it'll create a more collaborative workspace to kind of get to the goals that, that all companies are thinking. So it's really bringing that communication to a level that may not have been what it was at, you know, even through the most challenging times, even through the pandemic, now it, there might be another level of communication a little bit deeper that, that needs to be added. Exactly. Really understanding instead of just kind of taking what, what's given to you before that's worked, right? Because there were no, um, there were no, there was no fluctuation or inconsistencies and it was, it worked, right? But now we'll need a deeper understanding of behind the numbers and that's where the communication is going to come in. How do you think that will benefit businesses in the long run, these challenges, these new ways of addressing challenges? How it's going to create much more innovative teams and um, more critical thinking, you know, all the skill sets that we all enjoy. Um, and, you know, as you think through diversifying the talent pool um, and growing the talent pool, these are the skill sets um, that really speak to, to talent, you know, an opportunity to be able to critically think, to think innovatively and outside of the box. And maybe these are skill sets that weren't traditionally associated with manufacturing, um, but now they are. And so it, it gives you the opportunity to collaborate on a higher level and to, and to think about things a bit differently. So I think it's going to impact the industry in a great way. Um, it's just the embracing of it, right? It's change and it's shifting of the mindset from the way things have um, traditionally been thought about, but definitely will, will have a positive impact in the long run. And what are you seeing in terms of like optimism from businesses? You know, I know that like in, here in Connecticut, based on this report, just over two thirds of manufacturers reported profits in 2021, which was obviously up from 2020. What are you, you know, anticipating for 2022? Uh, it did seem like last year, more people didn't expect to make a profit and did, uh, or they're still trying to kind of balance out what's happened. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, there's companies are remaining profitable and have done even better, right, than historical. And I think everyone's a bit surprised by that. They're like, it's a pandemic. There's a lot going on with supply chain and other issues. And so the natural thought is that this is going to be a tough time. So a lot of um, companies kind of um, were a bit more maybe conservative in their capex spending and others just ensuring that they were prepared for kind of what lied ahead. And I think that sentiment um, has kind of changed a little bit and that they've seen, okay, we've been able to navigate this uncertain terrain. Maybe this is a bit of the new normal um, as we continue to come out of the pandemic um, and seeing a little bit of supply chain um, restraints being eased up. And so I think the sentiment is good kind of going in. It's still uncertain, but I think there's a bit of comfort that's coming out in this uncertainty because companies have been able to remain profitable um, in the midst of a, a very uncertain time. Based on the data that you're seeing, where do you think companies should have the most optimism for this next fiscal year? Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity with the labor force. Um, I, I think most would agree that that's kind of, we see it was the biggest challenge per the per the report, right? Almost half said that's the biggest obstacle and almost 90% said that we're still, still seeing an issue with that. And so I think there's optimism and the opportunity to diversify your talent pool, right? Both from a skill set and a background and a, um, a cultural perspective. And I think once manufacturers really tap into that, then, you know, it's, it's only up from there, right? Not only from a capacity standpoint and being able to fill jobs and complete projects, but also from a, a diversity of thought perspective and being able to think more innovatively and build um, inclusive teams that is going to help with the projection of the company. So I think there's a lot of optimism in that. Yeah, and so many companies are looking to different groups maybe that they hadn't explored before. Yeah. And I'll preface that in that the initial thought of the labor challenges are not optimistic per se because it's a, a challenge. But I think there there's still optimism in that there are untapped pools that we know. Like I, I loved hearing from Carolyn Lee with the Manufacturing Institute, and she spoke about the MAKE initiative, which is the 35 by 30, having um, women in manufacturing grow from 30 to 35 percent by 2030. Gives young women and students, young girls, the ability to aspire because you cannot be what you cannot see. And so for me hearing that, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's a labor shortage, but there's also an untapped pool um, of great talent that uh, the manufacturing can tap into to alleviate some of those shortages um, and some of the late labor force burden. So that's when I speak to the optimism, that's the part that, that excites me, the opportunity that is this. Yeah, it's, you know, people are putting so much effort into this right now, but really they're not gonna feel maybe the benefit to a high, high level in a, until a little while, you know, maybe a year or two from now. Um, I think, you know, even we recently, there's been more manufacturers tapping into the prison pipeline um, mm -hmm. to help get people in that talent pool as well. Is that something that you're hearing about as well? Yeah, yeah, there's a, a lot of kind of great things going on to really expand or, or diversify the talent pool of manufacturing and the exposure is growing as well, which I love because I'm a manufacturing girl at heart. So um, it's, it's it's good things to see. Um, we see also a lot of companies are starting to reshore and nearshore and that just brings greater opportunity as well. And it's amazing that some of these things or a lot of these changes have come in the midst of 
are more responsive to a harder time, right, with the pandemic and because of the, the challenges that ensued. But there's also opportunity that has come with that. And so um, as we think about opportunities for the next generation um, and the incredible kind of digital um, skill set that, that they have, this is an excellent opportunity um, to get some great talent into, door, into the door and to think about manufacturing a little bit differently than we traditionally have. Yeah, and I think also with technology, leveraging technology, it's not always about cutting jobs. It's really, in many instances, bringing in someone else who can, you know, leverage that technology to do the job. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. It's funny. A lot of people think about technology and they automatically think less jobs, right? Um, but we need people to work the technology, and it's really creating the space so that our talent can maximize their their skill sets, right? Some of the the mundane and redundancy of of sectors. That's what the technology is being used for. So that's exciting. I think for the talent to know that, hey, I can really you know, think outside the box and creatively, right? And not spend a lot of my time in some of this less efficient kind of monotonous work that maybe traditionally need to be done with human labor. So I think more than anything, that should be exciting. Um, I know I love to hear whenever we're, we're digitizing or automating things because it gives you the space to do something different anymore. And I know you, you know, travel all around the country. You work with businesses of various uh, sizes. Coming to Connecticut, you know, looking at our numbers through the report, talking with businesses, is there anything that you kind of saw as maybe an aha, you know, surprised you or has this really resonated with you about Connecticut manufacturers? Yes, it's it's really resonated. I think one of the things that really stood out to me in the report um, is the perspective of the, the cost of doing business and how manufacturers are being impacted by that and how leaders are thinking differently um, about supporting talent to, to make sure that they're able to meet the cost of living rises as well. And so I asked the question on the panel um, and I love the responses. The question was, how do you navigate kind of the rising cost of doing business and the rising cost of living? It's like everything going up. Um, and the response was one of, of caring and collaboration to really work to ensure that you know, the talent has what they need to be able to, to live a good life, to live a decent life. I think, you know, for success is to have them bought in pretty early in the process, right? You don't want to, you know, shove things down employees' throat, rather have them bought in at the very beginning stages. I think that transparency, it, it really helps make them feel engaged and, and truly part of the team as opposed to, you know, they're just taking orders. And so leaders are really looking more strategically at that and not just applying a, a one-size-fit-all or, 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 you know, just looking at it one-sided, but it's, it's multifaceted. And I see leaders being really intentional and thoughtful um, in that thought process. All right. Well, I think Connecticut businesses would be very happy to hear those adjectives, you know, being used to describe them. Uh, is there anything else that you know from the report or your experience here that you'd like to address? No, I, I think that's it. Um, I really in, enjoyed the report and discussing the, the findings with the panel. Um, There's a, a lot of good stuff, a lot of it consistent naturally, and it's some of it a bit different. So it's always good to to see things through a bit of a different lens specific to a, um, a certain state. So really enjoyed the opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, you know, coming to the event, obviously, and now being on this 
BizCast. And thank you to our audience for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and YouTube. And while you're there, leave us a review. Let us know if you have future ideas for a podcast for a full list of episodes. You can head on over to CBIA.com.